Well, those of you who uh, know us and know our family know that uh, both Eva and Ethan passed their driving test this year, which we're delighted about. Uh, fortunately, uh, I never had to deal with a challenge that one dad faced uh, with his son after he passed his test. Apparently, his son was so keen to be able to, to get a hold of the family car uh, that, he, that he came and said, you know, could we meet in, in your study and discuss the use of your car? And dad took him into the study. He said, I'll make a deal with your son. If you bring your grades up, if you study the Bible a little, if you get your hair cut, we'll talk about it. After about a month, the boy came back. He looked pretty pleased with himself and asked if he could discuss the use of the car with his dad. And so they went back into the father's study once more where the father said, son, I'm so proud of you. Uh, You've brought your grades up. You've studied the Bible a, a little, but you didn't get your hair cut. The young man replied, you know, Dad, I've been thinking a lot about this. Uh, Samson had long hair. Moses had long hair. Uh, Noah had long hair. And even Jesus had long hair. Yes, his father said, but everywhere they went, they walked. (laughs) Every dad will agree that fatherhood is full of joys and challenges, isn't it? Uh, At every stage of life, there's different challenges to be had, different ones to be faced, and also new joys uh, around the corner. And when we look around us today, though, our our world, I I think, is littered with people who've had, unfortunately, bad experiences and suffered broken relationships with their fathers and who are living with the fallout I once heard uh, of a a, a story of um, a family counseling therapist who shared two letters that were given to her by a P4 teacher. The letters were part of an assignment uh, that the students, this teacher, asked to complete, probably around Father's Day. The first letter read like this. These were the exact words. Dear Dad, I love it when you take me out on dates. I like it when you play baseball with me, obviously in the States, miniature golf with me, and when you watch movies with me. I really appreciate it. I like it when you tell jokes to me. I like it when you hug me and kiss me. Daddy, I love you. Teacher said that just four seats away from that little girl who wrote the first letter sat another girl who wrote this in her letter. Dear Daddy, I love you so much. When are you going to come and see me again? I I miss you very much. I love it when you take me to the pool. When when am I going to get to spend the night at your house? Have you ever seen my house before? I want to see what your house looks like. Do you? When am I going to get to see you again? I love you, Daddy. One letter is from a child whose father knows what it means to be there. And the second is from a child, for whatever reason, the father chose not to be there. And sadly, across the world today, we're seeing a generation of children who, through life circumstances or through painful experience, now feel disconnected from their fathers. Maybe that's because their dad is around, but he's emotionally distant. He doesn't really connect when he's there with them. 
They're either engrossed in sport on the telly or saturated with drink or preoccupied with work or mentally they've just checked out, present but unaccounted for. Then there are those separations that happen through marriage breakdown and divorce. Uh, Even worse, separations and hurts that come through emotional or verbal or physical abuse or even physical abandonment. This Father's Day, we want to celebrate the men in our lives who've taken up their role as father. And as we do, we want to remember what's best about them. And we want to thank God for them. And yet we want to be honest. And we want to realize uh, that the dads are just ordinary guys who sometimes get it right and who other times get it not so right. And just like you, your dad isn't perfect. Or if he's no longer around, your dad wasn't perfect. I think deep down we know this. Uh, at, At this point, some of you this morning might be saying, well, you better believe my dad wasn't perfect. You didn't know my dad. You didn't know what he was like. Because your experience of your father wasn't great. The separation maybe you felt, well, it continues to be very real. And the gap that maybe you felt between the father that you had and the father that you needed, it was huge. And I want to take a few moments today and and talk both to dads, uh, to those who will also one day be dads. At the same time, I have something to say this morning that I think is for all of us. Because as we know in Scripture, God reveals himself to us as our heavenly father. And and for good or for bad, our experience of our earthly fathers has a huge impact on how we see our heavenly father, how you relate to him, how as well your heart moves towards him or away from him. So when you think of God, how do you picture him? How do you picture God in your mind's eye? Some people see God just as like an old grandpa on the sky, uh, white hair, big beard, kind of like Santa Claus, uh, always ready to give pats on the back, the odd gift here and there, but he never really demands too much of you. He never asks you to change your life or chart a new path or a new course for yourself because he's just there to love you and leave you. That's what grandparents do, isn't it? Then there's the the referee or scorekeeper God. Maybe this is how you see God. He's up there. He's keeping an eye on you. You get points for the good things that you do, and if you're naughty, you get thrown in the sin bin. What about the Alexa or Siri God? You can't really see him, but when you have a question, you throw it out there and you ask because you know he's got the answer. He knows everything. Or then there's the the God of wrath who's always angry. He's always out to get you lightning bolts for sure if you don't get it right. Or, Or there's simply the God who's distant. He's far off. He's somewhere out there, yes, but he's completely disinterested in you. There's the stained glass God who's uh, only full of big religious words and who can only be found in churches. Or there's the buddy God who's just your, your, your friend. There's the, the hipster God who's uh, like half barista and half Bible uh, student. Or there's the me God who looks just like, well, you or me. 
There's the buffet God who's just a little this, little that, whatever you like and takes your fancy, however you want him to be, really. There's the no God God who's not just invisible, but not there at all. And when you think about God, what's the picture that comes to your mind? Dads, I I want to say this to, to you this morning in particular. There's a lot riding on you and how you are as a father to your children. Because inevitably how your kids see you will affect how they think about God as well. And, and so, dads, how are you doing with fatherhood? Louis Giglio, in his book, Not Forsaken, which I found so helpful in sharing this morning, he points uh, out that there are at least six types of dads, some of which we've already touched on today. Uh, the first is the absent father. He's not there. Or else if he is there, he's not really there. There's the abusive father. There's the performance-based father whose love for you is based entirely on how well you do in life. You do well, you get the pats on the back, the attaboys, and I love you, kid. If you don't do so well, not so much. There's the passive father who's in the room but not really there and definitely not stepping in or stepping up in order to help out or to take action where needed or leadership in the family. There's the antagonistic father who's out to get you. Uh, He's actually in competition with you. It seems that instead of breathing blessing over you, he's standing in your way. And then there's the empowering father. This is the dad who through his life and his words makes it clear to you that he loves you. He's proud of you, that he is so well pleased with you no matter what. He's there for you in your ups and your downs. He's there to bless you whether you perform well or not. This dad shows up. He's dependable. He's trustworthy. He's strong. He's not a pushover. He sets healthy boundaries for his kids to protect them as well as to help them to grow up, to reach their God-given potential in life become the the children they really can be. When it's clear that his kids need a bit of direction, the empowering father says, I love you, but you're not going to stay out that late. You're not going to go to that party. You're not going to wear those clothes or do that thing that your friends are all doing because it's just not safe. And one day later in life, you really look back, and even with those boundaries, even with those restrictions, you look back and you thank your dad for that because he protected you and he looked out for you. This dad is your hero. This dad is your role model. He's not perfect, and he admits that he's not perfect. He knows it. But through it all, this dad shows you how good it can be to have God as a heavenly father. Now, let me just stop right there. If that is your dad this morning, and you've had a really great relationship with your father, then you have so much to be thankful for. But not everyone has had a dad like that. And our experience of our earthly dads will affect one way or another, not just how we think about them, but how we think about God as well, and how we relate to God. And and as I've already said, Not even the best dad is perfect. 
At best, our dads can only reflect something of what God, our Heavenly Father, is like. At worst, they cloud our vision of what our Heavenly Father should be and just how much He loves us. And so isn't it good then that, that through looking at Jesus, we're able to get a better picture of what God the Father is really like and all of His glory. And this is where I, where I want to talk to everyone in the room now. Because whether you're a dad or not, we've all had dads. We've had good experiences with fathers, maybe some that have been not so good as well. And so we need to see how things are different when it comes to God our Father in heaven and how knowing Him can make the biggest difference to our lives. So what's God the Father really like? There's this great moment in John chapter 14 when Jesus is talking to his disciples about his death to come. And his disciples, they're perplexed, they're heartbroken. They don't want to see anything bad happen to their master. But Jesus tells them it's going to be okay because I'm going away to prepare a place for you in heaven. And when I come back, I will take you to be there with me so that you can also be where I am. How is it possible, they ask? They're confused. How can we know the way, they ask? In verse 6, Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you really know me, you will know my Father as well, he said. But the disciples are still confused. Philip says, Lord, show us the Father, and that will be enough for us. And Jesus answers, and he says this, Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. Of course, Jesus is God the Son, not God the Father. So what's he saying here? You know, we believe in God the Trinity. Uh, we've just baptized Leo in the name of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. One God and three persons. So Jesus is God the Son, not the Father. Well, what's he getting at? And so he continues in verse 10. Don't you believe that I am in the Father? and the Father is in me. The words I say to you, I don't speak on my own authority. Rather, it's the Father living in me who's doing His work. Believe me when I say that I am in the Father, and the Father is in me. If you want to know what God the Father is really like, you need to take a long, hard look at Jesus, who came to reveal God the Father to us. Everything that He said, Everything that he did, it was all an outworking of that eternal relationship with God the Father. The Bible tells us that from all eternity past, God was there, and he existed in this beautiful, loving relationship with himself, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. It blows our minds. We, we can't understand how that can possibly be. One God, three persons, but that's it. And now Jesus comes to show us what God's like, and to help us to see the full extent of God's love for us. So in our reading this morning, we catch a glimpse of this eternal relationship with God the Father and Jesus at Jesus' own baptism. And look at what happens there in verse 17 as Jesus comes up out of the water, as Deborah was reading earlier. Jesus saw the Spirit of God descending on him like a dove, and he hears God the Father's voice from heaven saying, this is my son, whom I love. 
With him I am well pleased. This is my son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. Now I want you to notice for a moment where this comes in the story. This is before Jesus had done anything at all to earn his father's acceptance or approval. This is before Jesus had done any miracles in his ministry, before he'd taught crowds of people, before he'd lived a perfect life, before he'd gone to the cross or died for your sin and mine, before he rose again, before he ascended to heaven, before he'd done any of those things. Any of those things that we remember him for, any of those things that we think, yeah, that's pretty cool. No, Jesus comes out of the waters of baptism that day and God the Father looks down on him and he says, look, that's my boy and I love him so much. I am so pleased with him. I see him. I love him. Not because of what he's done, but simply because of who he is. He's my boy. I see him. I love him. I wonder if you've ever had that kind of experience with your dad before. That level of acceptance and approval and love based solely on who you are, not on what you've done. You're my boy. You're my girl. I love you. I'm so pleased with you. Dads, let me just say this to you for a moment here. Do you say this to your kids? Because if there is one thing I can safely say to you this morning, it's this. The one thing that your child longs to hear more than anything else in this world is that you love them, that you see them. They've got your acceptance and your approval that you're so pleased to be able to call them your son or your daughter, so proud for them to be able to call you their dad. Of course, dads, you might say this morning, it was different for God the Father. Surely it was easier for him to be pleased with Jesus. I mean, he was Jesus. (laughs) He was perfect. You might say, well, my kids, well, they're, they're less than perfect. They're energetic, shall we say. They have their own minds. But no, God the Father's words to Jesus here are based not on what Jesus has done, not on his performance, but simply because it came from this place of relationship, from a father to a son. If you want to know what God is really like and what he really thinks of you, you need to look at Jesus. And you need to look at how God the Father interacts with Jesus. You need to think about why Jesus came here in the first place. Jesus said in John 14, back to that passage, that he came to show us the Father. And part of that is to show us the full extent of the Father's love for us, for you and for me. See, the Bible tells us that from the beginning, our first earthly father and mother, Adam and Eve, turned their backs on God. They rejected God's fatherhood in their lives. They tried to do life their own way. And since then, we have been living with the reality of their bad choices. 
Adam and Eve's sin resulted in being cast out of the garden. They had to leave the garden of God's presence. They were separated from that relationship with God the Father that they were made for. And not only that, their sin tainted all of the rest of creation and opened the door for sin to enter into the hearts and lives of all of mankind who came after them. So that now each and every one of us bears the mark of sin and bears its consequences in our lives. Now our world is fractured. Our relationship with God the Father is broken as well. And ultimately, because of the sin in our world and our sin in our lives, we are marred by sickness and death. But that's not the way it's supposed to be. And God wasn't content to leave it that way. And so God made a plan to come and rescue his creation and to get his children back, to restore that relationship with him that we were made for back in the beginning, and to bring us home. It was a daring plan, one that would take sending his only son into the world in order to accomplish the full scale of the salvation that was needed. His son would come and bear the full consequence of our sin on himself so that in believing in him, we can be set free from sin. We can live life to the full now in a loving relationship with God our Heavenly Father that we were made for. This relationship marked by His approval and His acceptance and love and guidance and protection and provision in our lives. A restored relationship with Him that begins now and goes on forever into eternity. So that now things with us, things with our Heavenly Father can go back to the way they were at the beginning. They can go back to the way they were supposed to be. And this is the good news of Jesus Christ. It's why Jesus came. It's why he died on the cross for you and for me. See, a lot of us here this morning, when maybe in the past we've heard about Jesus, we've heard about the gospel, we've maybe got the heaven part of the gospel down. We've heard about, you know, believe Jesus and accept him and you'll go to heaven. That seems like good news because we don't want to go to hell. And so we come to God and we say yes to Jesus as some sort of fire insurance because we don't want to go to hell. We want to go to heaven after we die. But if that's where your picture of why Jesus came, your picture of the gospel, if that's where it stops, then you've missed the point. You've missed the point entirely. Because everything that Jesus did was so that you could once again know God as your heavenly Father and experience His loving embrace in your life now and forever. Regardless of who you are this morning, regardless of your relationship with your earthly father, regardless of how you're doing as a dad yourself if you happen to be a dad, let me just br briefly leave you all with three things I think that this message teaches us today. And the first is this, no matter who you are, no matter what you have done in your life, good or bad, you are loved. You are loved. 
If you were ever in doubt, listen to what Paul says in Romans 5 verse 8 where he tells us that God demonstrates his love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Did you get that? Paul says, while you, when you became perfect, God decided he would love you. No, he says, while you were yet sinners, while you were yet broken, while you were imperfect, while you were messed up, God loved you and he showed you the full extent of his love by sending his son, Jesus Christ, to die for you. God loves you with a never stopping, never giving up, unbreaking, always and forever love that is not dependent upon your performance, not dependent upon how good you are, on whether you've done enough to please him or not, not on whether you're a do-gooder or whatever you want to call it. No, he loves us because he loves us, even when we were still sinners, even when we were far off from him. He sent his son Jesus into the world to die for us on the cross to show us the full extent of his love. Secondly, Paul tells us a few chapters later in Romans chapter 8, verses 14 and following, that those who accept the gift of God's love are no longer slaves to fear. Why? Well, firstly, for those who are in Christ, Paul tells us, verse 1, there is now no condemnation. God is not sitting up there, an angry God, waiting for you to take a wrong step or to make a mistake in order to shoot down firebolts and lightning bolts at you. Because when you trust in Christ Jesus to save you, what you're really saying is that you believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God and that he went to the cross to bear the weight of your sin, to bear the punishment that your sin deserves on his shoulders. He took the penalty so that you wouldn't have to. What's more, uh, Paul tells us here that when we give our lives to following Jesus, we're adopted into his family. We're made his children, which means now as brothers and sisters of Christ, we don't have to worry about what God thinks of us. Having been forgiven of our sin, we're set free from fear because now we're in a new loving relationship with our Heavenly Father. And when he looks down on you, he doesn't see your mistakes. He doesn't see your sin. He doesn't see your past. He looks down at you and he says, that's my boy. That's my girl. I see them and I'm so pleased you're mine. Because when he looks down at you, he now sees Jesus, not your sin. Finally, not only does Jesus show us how much God loves us, not only does he bring freedom from fear, but at the end of Romans 8, he tells us uh, through Paul's letter here that those who have given their lives to following Jesus Christ, there's now nothing that can separate us from God and his love for us. There's nothing that can separate us from this new relationship with our Heavenly Father. So many of us have lived with the pain of separation from our earthly fathers, whether that's been uh, as a result of emotional or physical uh, problems or abuse, whether it's been because of distance of separation, whether that's because your father has already passed away and you miss them today so dearly. But Paul tells us here that because of what Jesus has done on the cross for you and for me, when you believe and put your trust in Jesus to save you, from your sin. Your relationship with God the Father is so restored that you now have a heavenly Father who will hold you close, 
who will never let you go. You can never be separated from his love again. Because on the cross, Jesus took even that separation from you too. He bore the weight of your sin and separation from God. On the cross, remember some of his last words he utters as he is about to die. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? There on the cross, he experienced the full weight of your forsakenness, the full weight of your separation from God, so that now you don't have to anymore. Which simply means that when you come to Christ, you don't just get a ticket to heaven. Let's just park that one right there. The good news of Jesus isn't just about heaven. It's all about receiving a new relationship of the one who owns heaven, whose heaven is his home. He's the perfect father you've always dreamed of. He's the father you've always longed for. And now he's your father because Jesus has made it possible for you to come into a new relationship with him, one that begins now and goes on forever. I wonder, do you know God the Father like that? Just on the way out as everyone's leaving this morning, we have these little booklets called Knowing God Personally. This is what it's all about. It it tells the story of how we can come to know God, our Heavenly Father, like this, in a personal, in a real way through Jesus Christ. Everyone is welcome to take one of these on the way out. I invite you to read through them. And uh, if you already know the story that it contains, you can share them with other friends as well. But this morning, let's not leave with any doubts in our minds as to whether or not God loves us. Let's not leave with any doubts in our minds as to whether or not we can be better fathers, yes, but whether or not we have the best father, God our Heavenly Father. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for Jesus. We thank you for sending your one and only Son into this world to show us the full extent of your love for us. And we thank you that because of Jesus, when we come into your family, we don't need to be afraid anymore about what you think of us because you love us. You love us. You see us. You're so pleased with us because now we're sons and daughters of the King. Father, I pray that each and every one of us this morning would not leave with any doubt in our minds as to whether you love us or not. And I pray that by your Spirit, you'd be speaking to our hearts now, that you'd be drawing us close, that you would be helping us to take next steps in our own faith journey to come to know you as our loving Heavenly Father. I pray, Father, this morning that as we confess our need for you as our Father, that you will help us to receive Christ as our Lord and Savior and to receive the fullness of the forgiveness of sins and new life that you offer through him. Father, we thank you that we can be called sons and daughters of the King. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 